It's Thursday, the 11th of November, 2021. Welcome to Fear and Greed, the business podcast that sets you up for a successful day. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Confidence returns to the economy, auguring well for the run into Christmas. That is our main story this morning. Also today, iron ore prices tumble, taking the big miners with them. Paul Keating gives his colourful view on Australia's relationship with China, and the taxman is worried about money laundering in real estate. Then stay listening for Sean's chat to Tim Dring from EY about the boom bank results. But first, Sean, confidence in the economic recovery is growing with the vaccine rollout pushing both consumer and business sentiment higher and retailers expecting a solid run into Christmas. This is good news. Sure is. The Westpac Melbourne Institute Index of Consumer Confidence rose again this month, led by New South Wales as the state's economy reopened. The big jump was around the labour market, though. Consumers expect the unemployment rate to fall rather than rise and confidence around employment is at its highest level since the mid-1990s. Now, this is really critical, Michael, because people with jobs or people that are confident they can get a job spend money, and that's good for the economy. Business conditions and confidence also rose last month, encouraged by better trading conditions, profitability, and employment. Now, that's according to the monthly National Australia Bank survey. New South Wales was again the driver as the state economy reopened, confidence readings are now positive across all states and industries when it comes to business confidence. And when business is confident, they invest in equipment and hire more people. Consumer and business confidence can quickly become self-fulfilling prophecies. And that's why they're so critical to the economic outlook. So apart from the reopening of the East Coast economies, it must be the vaccination rates that are driving sentiment. Undoubtedly, the vaccination rates have contributed to that sentiment. Nationally, we breached the 90% mark for first jabs yesterday, and 82% of adults over the age of 16 across the country are fully vaccinated. Consumers and businesses love that. Retailers are already feeling the benefits. Coles boss Stephen Kane yesterday said he was optimistic about Christmas trading as vaccination rates across the country continues to rise. The Prime Minister Scott Morrison was out and about. He was upbeat about the economy, but he did warn the COVID-induced recession demonstrated that economic growth couldn't be taken for granted. Of course, we get official labour force figures today, but undoubtedly the economy is getting a decent kick along in the run into Christmas. And so how did markets perform yesterday? Well, the S&P ASX 200 closed ever so slightly lower to 7,424 points. The materials and energy stocks did worst, while the utilities and financials outperformed. Now, it's worth pointing out some notable movers yesterday. National Australia Bank had a particularly good day following its profit announcement on Tuesday. NAB share price jumped 4% yesterday and is trading at three-and-a-half-year highs. Analysts from Macquarie, Morgans, JP Morgan and Citi have all upped their forecasts for the bank, and that provided the momentum for the share price rise. Chalice Mining had a good day as well. Its share price jumped more than 4%, following the 29% increase on Tuesday. Remember, Chalice announced what it claims to be the biggest nickel discovery in the world in 20 years, northwest of Perth, on Tuesday. However, on the other side of the ledger, the price of iron ore fell below 90 US dollars a tonne yesterday. That's about two-thirds below what it peaked at in May and reflects falling steel prices in China because Beijing has put restrictions on output and property development in the world's second largest economy is faltering. China remains the slight concern in the back of many investors' minds in Australia. The move in the iron ore price yesterday hurt the big three miners. BHP closed down 2.5%, 
Fortescue Metals was off 2% and Rio Tinto was 1.5% lower. All right. What about overseas markets? What's happened overnight? Wall Street sold off after data showed that US consumer prices jumped in October at their fastest pace in 30 years, increasing the prospect of the US Federal Reserve lifting interest rates next year. During October, prices were 6.2% higher than a year earlier, with rising energy prices the standout. That caused a surge in the US dollar against other currencies and a sell-off in bond markets. As a result, the Aussie dollar has dropped overnight to buying 73.5 US cents. European markets were generally higher. Brent crude came off a bit overnight and is trading at less than 83 US dollars a barrel, and the price of gold is up to 1850 US dollars an ounce. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, plenty of stories around this morning. There's been quite a bit going on in Canberra over the past 24 hours, headlined by former Prime Minister Paul Keating. Yes, Michael, he's always very entertaining, Mr Keating, and no matter what you think of him, he is worth listening to because of his depth of knowledge and experience. Now, the former Prime Minister yesterday told the National Press Club that Australia was at odds with its geography and the government needs to make peace with Beijing, calling on the government to be more respectful. The former Labor leader said the country had lost its way and Australia's position on China, quote, would make a cat laugh, end quote. I'm not quite sure what that means, Michael, but anyway. Mm. He also said eight Australian submarines against China would be like throwing a handful of toothpicks at a mountain. Always entertaining, Mr Keating. I just love politicians that have a sense of theatre, and Paul Keating certainly has that. No one has had it more than Paul Keating. You're absolutely right. Now, Resources Minister Keith Pitt is in hot water over comments he made in the run-up to the Liberal Party National Party deal on carbon neutrality by 2050. Yes, while negotiations were taking place, Mr Pitt publicly proposed a $250 billion taxpayer-funded loan facility for Australian mining projects. The Financial Review reported the comments and since then has asked for the advice from Mr Pitt's department on the proposal. Apparently, there was none. It was, as Labor suggested, a thought bubble from the Resources Minister, but a very public one, and not really one a federal minister should be making without some sort of substance behind it. And still on politics, federal Labor has criticised the government's $1 billion low emissions fund as spin. Hmm, surely not. Politicians. Spin. The fund will be used to enhance carbon capture and storage capabilities, something that the ALP isn't a fan of, hence the spin comment. Mr Morrison was also spruiking the fund yesterday, saying it was in line with what Microsoft founder Bill Gates has been talking about. Liking to name drop occasionally, Mr Morrison said that the two had met in Glasgow last week and talked about the technology challenges ahead. Now, Sean, the tax office was before a parliamentary inquiry yesterday. What did it reveal or... More importantly, should anybody be nervous? Well, the tax office said it was examining warnings about money laundering in Australia's property market. There's a bit of a quirk in the law here, and anti-money laundering laws don't cover real estate agents, though obviously the ATO is having a look at it at the moment. For many years, politicians of different stripes have pushed for real estate to be captured in anti-money laundering laws but it's never happened. A senior Reserve Bank official was also asked about that. She said the central bank was always aiming to achieve best practice, but didn't really give a reason. Now, the tax man also warned that opened 15 investigations into illegal Phoenix activity. 
Phoenix Company is one in which directors abandon a company or transfer the business into another company, leaving the debts in the old one and creditors with nothing to chase. The ATO is also examining the Pandora Papers, that's last month's global leak of the undisclosed holdings of more than 330 politicians, including 35 current and former heads of state. Very active at the moment, the ATO. Yeah, certainly is. What's the latest COVID news? Bit of good news for the university sector. Yeah, Mr Morrison said that international students will be allowed back in the country by Christmas. Now, exporting education, which is primarily students coming into Australia and studying, particularly in that higher education sector, is worth around $40 billion a year to the economy. So that's really good news to all those universities. Also, Moderna Australia said it had submitted data for provisional approval to use spike vax in children aged 6 to 11. That's a big step in getting the vaccine okayed for younger kids. Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk said the state would hit the 80% first dose level today. Good news for the Sunshine State, though obviously it's still well behind the ACT, New South Wales and Victoria. In terms of the numbers yesterday, Michael, Victoria recorded just over 1,000 new local cases and 14 deaths. New South Wales recorded 216 new cases and three deaths, and the ACT recorded nine cases. So Spikevax, previously known essentially just by the company named Moderna, it's not the most palatable name for a vaccine, really, is it? It's not. Why would you have a spike? I don't know. Maybe the uh, the marketing team might need to have another look at that one. Perhaps. Better than Moderna, though. Yeah, true. Okay, Sean, what's making headlines in today's news media? Well, the Financial Review is reporting that industry funds could hit members with a fee increase of close to $1 billion to bail out badly behaving directors as the sector grapples with a new law that threatens to render non-profit boards insolvent. The Fin is also reporting that dozens of unvaccinated miners at BHP's Mount Arthur coal mine in New South Wales have been stood down without pay and could face the sack after the mining union lost a bid to suspend the company's mandatory jab policy. The Australian is reporting that big property companies are betting that workers will return to the office, with close to $8 billion in new projects underway in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. And finally, the Sydney Morning Herald is reporting that Australia is one of a handful of countries that will be urged to set a new and more ambitious 2030 emissions reductions target by next November, under a draft decision paper released at the Glasgow COP26 Climate Change Summit. Running through some of the other stories around today, only 7% of 1.1 million workers in poorly performing superannuation funds have shifted to a competitor since the Prudential Regulator released its rating on super funds in August. Under the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority, or APRA, rules, underperforming funds have to send a letter to members to explain why they're doing so poorly. But surprisingly, APRA says it hasn't triggered a rush for the exits. Maybe no one opened the letters or the emails. So if you're in a poorly performing super fund, check your spam folder. Exactly. Recycling group SIM said earnings will jump 600% this current half year to December, following a pretty shocking 2020 for the group. Chief Executive Alistair Field said the North American business was doing particularly well, but the potential resurgence of inflation and ongoing supply chain disruptions were a cause for concern. 
Shopping centre landlord Vicinity Centres says it's taking legal action against department store owner Meyer over unpaid rent at its Melbourne flagship store in Burke Street. Vicinity alleges it's owed $4.2 million in rent for the period May to October this year. There are also several smaller listed companies commenting yesterday. Travel agency Hello World was upbeat about bookings from April 2022. Retail at Shaver Shop Group said lockdowns had triggered a small drop in sales so far this financial year. And oil group Beach Energy forecast an increase in production to 29 million barrels of oil equivalent for the 2024 fiscal year. Investors like that one. And Sean, Coca-Cola Euro-Pacific, which now owns the local Coke business in Australia, released its results yesterday. According to The Australian, the Coca-Cola No Sugar blend has outperformed since its launch. Energy drink Monster has also done well, while sparkling water continues to deliver strong growth. What's the key overseas news this morning? US President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping will hold a virtual summit next week, according to media reports. While there's lots of sparring going on between the two superpowers, clearly relations have improved somewhat to allow the leaders to meet. China's factory gate prices, that's the price producers pay for inputs, grew at their fastest pace in more than 26 years last month, thanks to soaring raw material costs. Consumer prices didn't rise by anywhere near as much, but were up 1.5%. It's yet another sign of broad-based global inflationary pressures, which affect all economies, including Australia. And finally, French President Emmanuel Macron said his nation will construct a series of nuclear power plants as the country seeks to be carbon neutral by 2050. Mr Macron, who has previously promised to reduce France's reliance on nuclear energy and faces an election next year, as we all know, said nuclear was needed to guarantee supply with low emissions. It's a really interesting one, that one. Japan is facing the same challenge. Ever since Fukushima, it has downplayed nuclear, but for it to hit its carbon neutral target, it will have to go back to nuclear. All right. Yeah, it is an interesting one. Up next is the daily interview. And today you're talking to Tim Dring from EY, one of our well, semi-regular guests, I suppose. I'd say I'd call Tim a regular. We wrapped up the reporting season for the banks, how they performed and the big challenges ahead. Yeah, it's always good to talk to Tim. That's up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Thursday, the 11th of November, 2021. Make sure you followed Fear and Greed on LinkedIn, on Twitter and Facebook and sign up for our free daily newsletter at fearandgreed.com.au. I'm Michael Thompson and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.